This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Next Stop Mississippi. I'm Michelle McAdoo filling in for Mary Margaret Miller riding solo today. And as we do every Friday, we'll be traveling across the state letting you know about people, places, and events that make Mississippi a great place to live. Well, today we'll start our road trip in Jackson for the 8th Annual Mississippi Craft Show. Next, we'll head to downtown Jackson and chat with Malcolm White about the 36th Annual Howe St. Patty's Day Parade. After that, we'll speak with Sarah Strip about the 5th Annual Run for Our Our Community 5K. And end the show with pianist Philip Fordenberry. So hold on tight because we're going for a ride here on Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo sitting in for Mary Margaret Miller riding solo today. Well, we've got a great trip lined up for you today. So let's get started with our first guest, Miranda Joyner. She's director of the 8th Annual Mississippi Craft Show. Good morning, Miranda. Good morning, Michelle. How are you feeling this morning? I'm well, thank you. How are you today? I'm glad the sun is out and it is very nice in Jackson today. And I believe around the state for a whole, it's a nice, going to have a nice day. That is good news. (laughs) It is, it is. All the pollen out and everything, um, all the flowers blooming. Speaking of um, craft shows, this is a great time to have a craft show in the spring. Uh, Let's start with that and and tell us a little bit how you uh, got involved with the Mississippi Craft Show and the history of it. Well, um, it's an interesting story, not probably what people usually think uh, a craft show is born from, but... Back in uh, 2003, I was diagnosed with cancer. I went through a lot of treatment, as as, a lot of people do. But unfortunately, that first round of treatment didn't work, and I had to go through more and then more. And ultimately, after having a stem cell transplant, it turned out that that hadn't worked either. So essentially, my oncologist had to tell me, well, there's nothing else that we can try, but I'll look for um, a clinical trial for you, which that's not really what any cancer patient wants to hear. However, being the determined person that I am, I I said, well, we'll see about that because I wasn't finished. There were things I wanted to do in life, and um, one of those things was to do something more community-minded, something good for especially supporting charities in the community. And when I was a little girl, I (laughs) I had this great big grandiose idea of creating this big... Um, sanctuary, etc. But I knew that I needed something that I could achieve on a smaller time scale than that. So I uh, combined my love of crafting and in supporting local crafters and supporting charities, put that all together, and the craft show was born. Mm, interesting story. So you had a um, how was how were, how was your mindset during that time when you were going through the um, um, your diagnosis and cancer and all that stuff? 
Well, I'm I'm actually an incredible eternal optimist. Even in, even in the face of things that people probably would think you wouldn't be optimistic about, I just I never seem to give up hope, which I think in a way is the way we get through things all sorts of things in life. So I just kept thinking, okay, well, this is what I want to do. So I'll just go ahead and do it, mm-hmm. basically. So um, um, you could call that determination. You could call it stubbornness. I'm not <laughs> sure. <laughs> it's been called both in my life. So, But whatever it is, it got me through. And um, I'm still here all these years later, and we're still doing the craft show. There's um, a group of people that came on board and became like my best friends and we just we do this so that we can benefit the handcrafted artisans who are out there and also to benefit charities in Mississippi. Yes, we're going to talk about that a little bit of uh, going to what the Mississippi Craft Show actually does for the community and for the state of Mississippi. Now, how did it get its name Mississippi Craft Show? Well, it just seemed to be the obvious choice since we were in Mississippi. We were focusing on promoting Mississippi artists and craftspeople and benefiting Mississippi charities. So it just seemed like the perfect name, really. And no one else had a show called the Mississippi Craft Show, so it seemed like that's the one that we would use. Right. Perfect timing. Um, Now, you mentioned a group of friends. Let's give them their um, accolades as well. Can you mention those names of those people? Because, of course, this is big, and you don't do this by yourself. No, absolutely do not do it by myself. That would be be, um, probably a disastrous thing to try and do it on my own. So, yeah, we have a great group of people, and uh, some of these people I knew prior, and then some of them we met through this process, and they've all become wonderful friends. Well, there's my husband, who's obviously has to be involved, whether he wants to or not. <laughs> he has no <laughs> <But> choice. He, uh, <laughs> actually, he's a wonderful support. He's absolutely on board with everything. I couldn't do it without him. And then there's my friend uh, Monique and Daryl Troth. They've been involved from the beginning. And then we have Liz Walker. Uh, Lindsay uh, Douglas is involved as well. Couldn't get by with any of these people. We have Sandra Slauson and Jess Delry and her family. Her three daughters have become involved as well. We've watched them grow into wonderful young women through the years, and they're just they're an absolute wonderful asset to us now. We also have Susan and Louis Rubion. We, could, we just couldn't get by without anyone in, of, that I'm mentioning here. Um, April Blackwell, she's also involved with us as well. Uh, let's see. I think that's everyone at the moment. We had a couple other people, but they moved away. But okay. right now, that's that's our group. And that's, you know, like you said, it sounds like a team effort, a family effort, actually, uh, that you yeah. get this together. So let's get into the Mississippi Craft Show for 2019. What makes this show so unique? Well, it was founded on the idea that we would be supporting local for the benefit of local. So it was really a community-minded thing. And we also brought in things like um, entertainment in the form of local entertainers. And often that's young young groups that are performing or inexperienced entertainers that are just getting started. So they'll come in and have the opportunity to perform in front of a crowd to give them more confidence and more exposure. So everything we do is really centered on how can we benefit 
the community from everything that we're doing here. Oh, so you have live music as well, because I know you have crafts, um, but you say you do have people coming to perform at the um, craft show as well. Yes, we generally do. There were a couple of years we did not do that because we moved to a different location mm-hmm. and we weren't sure that we could fit it in. But um, we've tested that out now and we, we can put that back into the event again this year. Okay, so, so let's, get in, I'm sorry. Well, let's get into the 2019 Mississippi Craft Show. What types of crafts will you have uh, this year? and Do they vary from year to year? Or do you have the same vendors that normally come back and be a part of it? We do have a number that come back in fact we have we have a good handful that come every single show they've not missed one yet Mm. so that's great so you'll find your favorites that you want to always have but then we always have new ones coming in all the time so there'll be a range of jewelry there'll be different clothing and accessories specialty foods now the foods they they're so good that often often they'll sell out straight away, <laughs> and often those food vendors need to run back home wow, and get, and get more. The next day. <laughs> yeah, so we've got some really tasty goodies in there. Uh, there are photography, there are glass items. We've got woodwork, um, all sorts of woodwork from intricately turned items to wooden signs, all sorts of things. There's a really good array of different, something for everyone, really. I know that's a, it's a cliche comment, but really, there is something for everybody. That is wonderful. Now, you guarantee 100% handmade arts and crafts. So how do yeah. you monitor that, or I guess uh, the true authentication from the uh, vendors, um, that this is 100% made from by them? Well, we have a curating process. So we go through all of the applications and we research. Then when they apply, they have to tell us how they make their products and give us certain information. And it's it's pretty clear. After a little while, it's very, very obvious if they're not handmade. Mm-hmm. But we don't really have much of an issue with that. People generally know that we, they won't be accepted if it's not. So in the beginning, we had a little of that, but now people generally know not to apply if they're not hand-making their products. And it's easy enough to, to check this out and to make sure that it's handmade. Now, of course, we're not as strict as if you are make, you're painting. We right. don't expect you to make your own paints. <laughs> you, can, you can use purchased paints to make your painting, but you must have crafted the item yourself and put your, your own spin on whatever you're making. It has to have come from, from your creativity, and, right. and that's what we... We use to um, to judge who who we should put into the show. Right. So there is a process. So uh, you get applications from people each year, of course, uh, wanting to be mm-hmm. a part of the uh, Mississippi Craft Show. How do you have a committee that you guys? How many uh, vendors can you put into? And it's at the Clyde Muse Center this year. So mm-hmm. you guys, yes. um, ha- you look at your space and you kind of see how many vendors you can have. So you have to actually pick and choose, don't you? Yes. Yeah, we we can't just accept everybody that applies, especially because we limit the number of exhibitors per category, Mm -hmm. and that means that our makers don't have to compete with, uh, if we had, for example, every single jewelry vendor who applied, then we could actually fill the building with jewelry, but that's not going to be successful for those people selling. So we do need to limit for each category. So we strive to maintain a high level of quality and variety so that we don't saturate the show with any one particular type of craft. Mm. So let me ask you a question. What is the most unique uh, item you've seen doing the show? And you've been doing the show for how many years now? Eight years. 
Eight been years. Growing. This will be our eleventh show during that time. Wow! So, um, you have, what, you must have seen so many different types of items. What's the most unusual? That is a tough question. It's a good question. But it's a tough question. I've seen so many things, and I think I'm in love with all of it. So <laughs> it's pick, hard to choose one. Uh-huh. Yeah, picking one would be really difficult. There's just there's so much talent out out there. So this is and a great. Can, I'm sorry. Oh no, no. So this is a great place to come to get unique gifts for um, get a jump on holiday shopping, maybe birthday and any type of yes. uh, uh, celebration. Uh, this is a place to come to get those unique type of gifts that are just authentically made. Now we have vendors from all over the U.S., not just Mississippi. We have until until this year. The August show was strictly Mississippi. And we had a, a March show where we would allow others from other states to come in. But we've combined the two this year just to see how that goes. We do maintain 90% Mississippi only at our August show and up to 10%. If uh, we haven't filled a particular category with a Mississippi artist, then we can look at allowing in someone else to fill that category. But it's it is always going to be at least 90% Mississippi, no matter what we do, because that was our basis for building the show in the first place. Right. But it's it's absolutely a great place to buy gifts for people. I'm, I mean, that's where I do my shopping. So <laughs> <laughs> I get my gifts for everybody. So That is wonderful. Yeah. Now, this year's, um, again, we talked about the place. So let's give everyone the information of where they can go and how they do they need a ticket to come, or is it uh, open to the public? It is a retail open to the public, and we do have an entry fee because we we do donate to our charity each year. We choose a different charity each year. We haven't um, chosen our charity for this year yet, so okay. we are taking nominations through our website. Okay. If anyone would like to nominate a Mississippi charity, they can go to uh, www.mscraftshow.com, and we do have a nomination form. But it's actually being held at the Clyde Muse Center, which is a gorgeous building, absolutely lovely building, which is at the Heinz Community College Rankin Campus in Pearl. And it will be on August 16th and 17th. This is the first year that we've done a Friday-Saturday. We usually had Saturday-Sunday. Mm-hmm. This year we're trying out the Friday-Saturday instead. So we'll start at noon on Friday until 6 p.m. and then all day Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay, so you have two a year. So the one that's happening this weekend. No, we're not doing the March one this year. Oh, okay. We are combining the two into the August event. All right, so this is happening in August. So you have a little mm-hmm. time to get um, your um, entry fees, and and actually they can if they want to can if people want to be a part of this show in August. Are you still taking um, vendor applications as well? Yes, we are. Today is the last day for early bird applications, but um, we are still taking applications, yes. All right. So the Mississippi Craft Show uh, will take place August. And give us that date one more time. It is the 16th and 17th. Okay, August 16th and 17th at the Clyde Muse Center in Pearl, Mississippi. Now, Friday it starts at noon, and then Saturday is from 9 to 5. Great, great gifting ideas for the Mississippi Craft Show. Thank you so much, Miranda Jordan, which you are the director of the of the Mississippi Craft Show. Thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us today, um, and we will talk to you again and make sure we let everyone know when it gets closer to the uh, August date to remind them of 
of the August um, Mississippi Craft Show. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much. Well, that will uh, wrap us up for our first segment. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we're going to head downtown Jackson and speak to the Renaissance man himself, Malcolm White. He's going to talk to me about the 36th annual How St. Patty's Day Parade. So don't go far. This is Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo filling in for Mary Margaret Miller. And before the break, we spoke with Miranda Jordan. She's the director of the 8th Annual Mississippi Craft Show. It's happening in August this year. They normally have two shows, which would have been this weekend, but they decided to combine the two shows and have one Mississippi Craft Show in August. So we will give you that uh, date again, August 16th and 17th coming up. Great, unique items, uh, gifting items as well, getting a jump on Christmas and things you couldn't find in the store anywhere. So wonderful. And then it's just supporting community um, organizations and outreach community organizations. And don't forget what she said. You can actually nominate a um, organization, a charity organization. So that is still open. Um, listen to the show. Or I'll put that um, link up where you can actually nominate a charity to benefit from the Mississippi Annual Craft Show. All right. Speaking of um, Mississippi, all things Mississippi, I have the Renaissance Man. I call him. I named him the Renaissance Man. I think I did last year or two years ago. <laughs> but he is. He's all about town. Renaissance. He does everything from, oh, my God. I don't know what he's not into. But <laughs> well, I, I hope a, I'm not into trouble. Exactly. Never. <laughs> and I have a mini crush on him. I, I oh. just told the whole world, the whole state of Mississippi wow. and beyond. My boyfriend is listening. I don't know if that was a good idea. But, and uh, my fiance is probably oh, listening. Hi, fiance. <laughs> okay, She's, Kara. Hi, She's just Kara. kidding. Yes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much for coming in. Again, you're not a guest here anymore. Um, we call it. Other family, we just saw each other last week. Yeah, we did poetry, poetry out loud. That was fun. You were the host, and uh, well, you were the MC. Uh, I was the host. Yes, yes, yes. But you did a terrific job, and uh, what a wonderful thing to get to do to see these high school students perform and and recite these classic poems, and to compete and to do it in the MPB studios, do it before a live audience to be recorded on. TV and, and radio. It's just a magnificent program. Poetry Out Loud. It's it's a program we've been doing at the Arts Commission since 2005. And it's a poetry recitation competition for high school students. If you're interested, Google the Mississippi Arts Commission and look for Poetry Out Loud. 
And it's so wonderful to see the same, some of the same children come back each year and grow right. and get better and win. And win. And it's amazing. And I when they win this. here uh, in Jackson, they then go on to Washington, D.C. to compete for the nationals. We've actually had a national champion. I don't know, five, six years ago. And yeah, that Ken was, was telling me. That was quite a, a unique thing, thing for us. But anyway, <laughs> the same year that we had a National Poetry Out Loud uh, champion was the same year that Natasha Trethaway, who was the United States Poet Laureate, also became the Mississippi Poet Laureate. And I used to jokingly say that year that Mississippi was the state of poetry. We are. Let's, say, <laughs> let's just say that. Anyway, speaking of Mississippi, um, your name is actually synonymous. I mean, no one can say Mississippi or even Jackson without thinking or saying Hal and Mouse. I know your brother um, Hal is still a big part of Hal and Mouse and still a big part of the parade. So I know people have been living under a rock for so long and don't know what the Hal St. Patrick's Day Parade is, but Tell people who really, maybe they just moved to Mississippi or they really don't know. They grew up and they don't know. Tell them a little bit of the history of the uh, St. Patty's Day Parade because I love this story. I had um, Jill on the show Monday. Um, because, of course, the opening of Sweet Potato Queens opens right. Wednesday. Get your tickets Please. at New Stage Theater. Now, and it runs through us, well, since we're doing a plug, it runs yeah. through uh, the 24th. So right. you have time to get in and see that wonderful musical. But she talked about... <laughs> Throwing you and her the first parade and throwing the sweet potatoes on the street. I, right. I, that would just blew my mind because I can just imagine, visualize a big, hard sweet potato <laughs> flying by your face. So, yeah. And they weren't baked, they were raw. Exactly. So, explain that first idea. How did you and Jill come up with it yourselves, or was it you and your brother? How did the whole thing come about? Well, um, the way it came about was I had been managing George Street Grocery, uh, which was a bar, restaurant, and nightclub, and producing all sorts of special events, having parties and theme parties. And one of the most successful theme parties that we had there at George Street back in the early 80s uh, was a St. Patrick's, St. Patty's Day uh, party. And and I had lived in New Orleans. My brother and I both had lived in New Orleans. We grew up on the Gulf Coast. And we were very familiar with and comfortable with community celebrations, festivals, parades. And one thing that was very obvious to me when I moved to Jackson in 1979 was that other than the Jackson State Homecoming, the Christmas, and the Dixie National Rodeo, there were no parades. Uh, there were no uh, big holiday celebrations. There, were, there was no Mardi Gras. And so uh, it occurred to me that maybe I could take this party idea and turn it into a pub crawl. So I contacted uh, a couple of friends, uh, CSs, Pat Bolin, Joey Mitchell at George Street. And by this time, I had left George Street and was creating my own called Malcolm White Productions. It was a production company. And I was looking for events to produce, and the St. Patty's Parade idea came up. And so I just got on the phone uh, and called all my friends to say, hey, look, I'm throwing this parade on St. Patrick's Day. And Jill was one of those people. And she said, oh, great, I'll be a sweet potato queen. And I said, cool. <laughs> and that was that. And she had this friend, Anglin Sweet Potato Farm. They had a pickup truck. It said Anglin Sweet Potato on the side of the truck. 
She got my then wife, Vivian, and a couple more of her friends, Carol Puckett um, and and Donna Barksdale and, and, and others all joined in with her. And they became the Sweet Potato Queens and the road in the back. They got old ball gowns from from uh, <laughs> from uh, salvage stores and wore tiaras and handed out, threw out sweet potatoes as we went down the streets and officially became the Sweet Potato Queens. Wow. And many These other are... groups did likewise. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Blues Boys Band, who still yeah. to this day perform, uh, also got on a float and became a part of that first parade. The Rude Boys, who almost every year win the top prize for the best float, uh, they were all Millsap students at the time. They got involved. Lots and lots of people who are to this day still involved were there for that first parade, what became the crew of kazoos, the green ladies, lots of the marching groups uh, sort of came out of that group of friends that I called and said, hey, I'm going to have a St. Patty's Day parade. I want you to come show up and be in it. And and that's really the way it got started. Wow. I love that. Just like you said, an idea in your head. And now look, 36, 36 years. years later, second largest St. Patrick's Day parade in the, um, in the nation. So I hear. I, I, I'm not promoting that idea. I don't, okay. I don't do crowd numbers, but <laughs> it is a big parade. It's a very successful parade. Uh, we benefit the Blair Batson Hospital for mm-hmm. Children. We do a lot of uh, good. We, we promote Jackson as a, as a wonderful, diverse, interesting, fascinating, fun city. And, uh, you know, I, I named it a few years ago after my brother, Hal, who passed uh, six years ago this month uh, from a brain aneurysm, who honestly wasn't even there, didn't even live in Jackson in 1983 when I started this. Uh, he wasn't even at the first parade, uh, but he came around about the third year and started participating in the group I march in, which are called the O-Tuck Society. We wear O-tuck. some <laughs> some version of a tuxedo, hand out flowers for kisses. And um, But Hal loved the parade. He embraced it. He got very excited about it. It was his favorite uh, time of the year. And then when we moved it to Hal and Mal's many years later, mm-hmm. I mean, we started at George Street. Uh, I mean, the first year was CS, the second year George Street, and, and we ended up at the fairgrounds for a number of years, and then ultimately we, we began to you know, base it around Hal and Miles in about 1986 or so. But my brother loved it. Uh, he was always the first one there, the last one to leave, and when he passed, I wanted to do something to cement his legacy. I wanted to um, make sure that people remembered my brother and called his name. Mm-hmm. I believe that people... Uh, die in two ways. They they die physically, their heart stops beating, their human form disintegrates, they die. And the other one is when people quit calling their name. And I did not want people to stop calling my brother's name. And so when people say, how St. Patty's Parade, they are paying tribute to my brother, who who loved this parade and loved Jackson and was, uh, you know, the partner in Howlin' Mouse and a great guy all the way around. I love that story. I'm smiling when you say it because... Um, I wanted you to tell that story. I wanted people to hear why you changed it from Howl and Mouse, St. Patty's Day Parade, to Howl's. And that's a great story and a way for, like you said, the world to never forget his name. Yeah, I, I recently someone sent me a link to a, a story that was in the Huffington Post or Forbes or something. I don't know. But it was a little story about all the unique St. Patty's Parade celebrations around the nation. And it highlighted... Jackson in our parade, and, and, and so I picked up this national publication, and I saw the word how, and I said, 
to myself, this is why I did this. Wow. Well, let's talk about the parade a little bit before we have to go, because, I mean, honestly, I could talk to you forever. <laughs> and uh, that's a little... Uh, uh, foreshadowing or something's coming, <laughs> something's coming soon, but, um, more will be revealed. Exactly. We'll talk about the parade today. Um, now the parade is actually the date changed a little bit. It's not St. Patrick's day weekend. No. Well, first of all, the, re- the reason the dates have been changed. Okay. The first parade was on the 17th of March and that's St. Patrick's day, but it was a Thursday. And I got a permit to have a parade in downtown Jackson at 4.30 on a Thursday and caused more trouble and got more pushback and more publicity, free publicity, for how on earth did a guy get a permit to to let a bunch of people, crazy people, walk through downtown during rush hour. So the police department and I agreed that if I was going to do this, I had to move it to the weekend because they didn't want to have to deal with all these angry uh, pedestrians and motorists who wanted to get home from (laughs) work. So we, at that moment, so the first ever one, the first year was on a Thursday on the 17th of March. Everyone since then has been on the third Saturday of March. But this year we are moving to the fourth Saturday in March, which is the 23rd of March. The reason we're moving to the fourth day of March are multiple. One is so that we could bring the Sweet Potato Queens back into the event. They had the fourth weekend in March where they did their zippity-doo-dah in Fondren, which no longer happens. Right. So they, they had a weekend, and we wanted them back in our parade. So we got their weekend. They rejoined us, and we got away from spring break, which has long been a real problem for us because we want to attract more marching bands. And schools are out during spring break. So you cannot get a university, college, (laughs) high school, or junior high marching band on the third Saturday in March because they are on spring break. Right, they're gone. Just like Java. Exactly. exactly. And and Jason. (laughs) And Jason. And it's just you and me here (laughs) on spring break. The ladies. (laughs) Well, well, and the men. But um, you're right. So that was a very smart move. So is it going to stay on the fourth? Yes. This is, in our view, Mm -hmm. forever. And we hate changing it, and I've Mm -hmm. heard a lot of people who complain. I've had this on my calendar for 15 years. (laughs) Heck, it's been on my calendar for 35 years. Right, right, right. But sometimes things change for the better. We needed to get away from spring break so we could attract the marching bands. We wanted to bring the queens back. They had that weekend. It was better for everybody, and and thus the, the, the day changed. Right. So we don't have enough time to go into specifics, of course, but guess what? We're going to give you the website where That's you, right. I mean, this website is really nice. I got to give whoever put Arden Barnett at Arden. Oh, Land. Arden, of course. He's, he's, <laughs> a, he's the producer and the partner in this. And I tell you, we got so many great partners. People say, how do you do this? And I said, I do it because I have really smart, great, yeah. effective partners. We talked about that last week. I exactly. said, you do so much. How do you do it all? He said, I don't. I have lots and lots of great. I mean, the Batson Hospital for Children, uh, Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arden at Ardenland, Charlie Abraham, Dolphus Blackman. I have all of these people, the, 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 um, the uh, Animal Rescue League. Uh, the city of Jackson, the county of Hines. I mean, everybody chips in. The sponsors, uh, uh, Capital City Beverages and and Hollywood Feed, all of these people, they don't just give us a check. They come and they help and they build the city that is known as House St. Patty's Parade. And it's a beautiful thing. And it, But it takes a village, which is, a you know, it does. So the truth. So you have a pet parade, you have a children's parade, you have the grown-up 
party parade uh, and so much yeah. more. Yes. The 5K run. So if you want to know all things House St. Patty's Day Parade, log on to the website, which is actually www.HowSaintPatty'sParade.com. That's House, H-A-L-S-S-T-P-A-D-D-Y-S. Parade.com. And you can find if you type in. Look, just Al- search for Howl's Parade Jackson it or St. Patty's Jackson, mm-hmm. and it's all going to come right to you. And everything will be there. The starting times. Now, I've got a question uh, for just before we go. Can, can people still uh, sign up to be a part of the parade right now? Not as a float or a motorized vehicle. We only allow 50. We have been sold out for weeks. Okay. So it's first come, first serve. So anybody who wanted to participate with a float or a motorized vehicle, they're already pre-registered. They've been inspected. They've been to the float meeting. So the answer is no. You can still show up in March, okay. and you can still show up and make a donation to the Blair Batson Hospital for Children and be a part of. All right. And Jill will lead the, yes. the city sweep this year, which is where we raise the majority of our money. So before the parade blasts into the streets at 1 o'clock, Jill and the good people at Batson Hospital for Children and lots of volunteers will be out in the street collecting donations for the hospital. And this is the primary way that we raise money, and we thank Jill for leading that charge. And this year's Grand Marshal is Robert St. John. That's right. No stranger to MPB. No, he's not. So, of course, uh, MPB loves... Malcolm White. Malcolm White loves MPB. (laughs) What's not to love? I know, I know. And thank you again for being a part of our family. And don't forget, next Saturday it begins, and actually begins on Friday. So if you go to the website, you will see some Friday activities that go into Saturday. Again, the 36th annual How's St. Patty's Day Parade. Thank you, Malcolm White, for uh, spending a little time with us today. We're going to take another quick break, and when we get back, we'll speak with Sarah Strip from Springboard to Opportunities. So stay Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio. This is Next Stop Mississippi. Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo, riding solo on this trip today. And before the break, we spoke with uh, Malcolm White about the 36th annual Hal's St. Patty's Day Parade. Now it's scheduled for next Saturday, March 23rd in downtown Jackson. Now let's continue our road trip with uh, my good friend, Sarah Strip. She's Senior Community Specialist with Springboard to Opportunities. Good morning, Sarah. 
Good morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being a part of the show today. Now, let's get right into it. Let's talk about what Springboard to Opportunities actually is. Yeah, so Springboard to Opportunities is a nonprofit. Uh, We're headquartered here in Jackson, um, but we actually operate in three different states. Um, But we serve families who live in low-income, federally subsidized housing. Um, And our mission is to help residents in that housing reach their goals in life, work, and school, whatever that means for them. All right. And how long has this um, uh, organization been together? We have been operating for about six years now. Okay. All right. And uh, briefly, could you tell us how it began? Yeah. So our CEO, Aisha Niandoro, Um, was really the brains behind this organization. And she had worked in affordable housing spaces before and had really seen that in order to help people really break these cycles of generational poverty that we see happening um, in communities, that the most important thing is that we're working alongside residents and really listening to what they're telling us. Um, We believe that low-income families are really the best advocates for their own lives, and they know what they need better than anybody else. Um, So she really spent that first year of Springboard just walking around communities and talking with families and asking them what it was that they needed and how Springboard could help them get there. And from there, we were able to organize um, our services and the different things that we provide for families based on what they told us they needed. All right. And you actually um, help them with affordable housing, real estate, property management, um, and things like that. And and even speaking of that, we're going to talk about the 5K run, but you even help children develop uh, savings accounts. Yeah, yeah. So a big thing that we have learned from our families over these past years um, is how much economic security is just a really big factor for them. Um, and how hard it is to save, um, especially when um, if you start working, your rent goes up and your other benefits go down, and it's hard to really prioritize thinking about saving first. Um, But we saw that our kids who have gone through so many of our programs from early childhood all the way through high school um, want to go to college but just don't know how to make that happen or don't necessarily think that it's going to be an option for them. Um, because they don't have these savings accounts or they don't really know how to finance that. Um, and so we started working with our with a partner um, who started talking to us about this idea of children's savings accounts. And there's really strong research out there that kids who have as little as $500 in an account are three times more likely to go to college and four times more likely to graduate um, just from that small amount because they're thinking more about college, they know that it's something that's in their future, and they're able to figure out some of the other resources along the way to make that financing happen. Oh, so let's, that's a good segue to talk about your 5K run. It's happening um, this weekend coming up? No, next weekend. Actually, the end of the month, March 30th. Yeah, March 30th, March 30th. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm actually I'm getting ahead of myself. So actually, Saturday, March 30th at Dawson Elementary School, uh, the 5K mm-hmm. run for our community. Let's talk about that event for a little bit and how people can get involved. Yeah, so this is our fifth annual 5K, and it is the third year that we are actually raising money specifically for these children's savings accounts that we've started. Um, So it starts at Dawson Elementary School, which is right in the middle of where two of the communities where we work are located. 
Um, and it's a really fun event. We have a lot of our residents out there. We have a lot of our donors and other community members, and there's just a big group of a lot of different people um, who come out to run this race. And so everything that we're doing with it is going to support these accounts. So every registration or donation um, directly goes towards seeding the accounts for our families. Um, and it's really fun because you get to meet a lot of the kids who are going to be receiving the accounts. They're right there running the race with you. Um, and it's been a really cool event for us in the past. And um, how successful have has the uh, 5K run been in the past? It's been really successful. Over the last two years, we've been able to raise over $60,000 for these accounts, um, which has allowed us to start 250 accounts for kids in these communities. So our goal is really to hopefully get another 150 kids to get accounts this year um, through the fundraising efforts, which have so far been really good. Um, we're really excited, especially this week. We're actually um, working with one of our partners, the One to One Match Fund, to match any donations or registrations that wow. come in. Um, so everyone has through midnight tonight <laughs> to get on to our page um, and to register for the 5K and then the $30 that you pay towards your registration will actually be doubled by them, um, which is enough for us to seed an account to start out. So we'd really encourage you to register today if you can. That is great. Now tell everyone what's the website that they can register for the 5K on March, for March 30th. Yeah, so the easiest way to register is to go just to our organization's website, which is www.springboard2to.org. Um, and if you go there, there'll be a link right at the top that will take you to the registration page. And can you give everyone a phone number as well? If they did not get that um, website, I will actually post the website on the link on the podcast if you, in case you missed it. But what is the, the phone number if they wanted to get more information about um, Springboard to Opportunities? Yeah, they can always call our office at 769-251-0924. And again, guess what? There's going to be a big block party, I heard, after the race, um, mm -hmm. which will end at Lincoln Garden Community. Everyone's invited to celebrate yep. the big block party. You can have music and food and games for the kids and things like that. Yeah, the block party is honestly my favorite part of the race. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's super fun. We, we go to Lincoln Gardens, which is one of the communities where we work. There will be food. We always have a DJ. We're going to have um, some folks from Bria Soccer coming out to play soccer with kids. We're going to have someone leading some line dances, which is going to be really fun. And there's lots of vendors there as well, um, just with different community resources, including MPB will actually be out there with some educational resources for families. So we would really encourage everyone, even if you're not super into running, this is really a 5K for everybody. We've got people who run six-minute miles and people who run closer to 30-minute miles at our 5K. But well, even if you're not into that, come for the block party. Thank you. And, and then actually come for the community service. You're actually helping um, feed into children who ordinarily would not have a savings account and helping them get closer to college. Thank you again so much for spending a little time with us, Sarah, today. And again, you're the Senior Community Specialist for Springboard to Opportunities. Thank you again, which your 5K run will be Saturday, March 30th, starting at Dawson Elementary School at 9 a.m. Registration starts at 8, correct? 
Yes, registration starts at 8 and the race starts at 9. All right. Well, thank you so much for uh, spending a little time with us today. We're going to continue our road trip when we get back and uh, end the show with our musical segment. Today I have renowned, renowned pianist Philip Fortenberry coming on the show in just a little bit. Stay tuned. You're listening to Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. requires smart decisions every day. Make a good decision for your company today and reach MPB listeners through MPB program underwriting. For more information, go to mpbonline.org/underwriting. Welcome back. This is Next Stop Mississippi, only on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michelle McAdoo, sitting in for Mary Margaret Miller, and today we've had a great road trip. Before the break, we spoke with Sarah Strip with Springboard to Opportunities about their 5K run happening on March 30th. Now let's welcome our musical guest to the show, renowned pianist, composer, and Mississippi native, Philip Fortenberry. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Michelle. How are you? Doing wonderful. How are you doing? I'm great. You hear your music in the background? You're like, that's me. I know. <laughs> I had no idea you had, anyone had that recording. Oh, see, you know what? As a producer and a host, you know, I can find things out there. I find, <laughs> find things. That's very scary, Michelle. It is. Oh, what have I, <laughs> look, what have I dug up about Philip Fortenberry? <laughs> Oh, I know. That makes me very nervous. Ah, but you know what? Speaking of digging up, I mean, excuse me, reading your bio had me in awe. I just want to say that before we get started. And I don't want to run out of time, so I want to jump right into it and and talk a little bit, tell people about yourself uh, and tell them where you're originally from and what you've been doing for the past, I don't know how many years, since 1980, graduating from uh, William Carey College to now. So if you can quickly go into a little synopsis of uh, what you've been doing and where they can see you um, coming up soon here in Mississippi. Yes, I am originally from Columbia, uh, Mississippi, of course, uh, actually a tiny community south of Columbia uh, called Hub. And uh, anyway, I grew up there, went to high school in Columbia and graduated uh, from uh, William Carey uh, University in 1980, as you said. And right after uh, college, rather than going into graduate school, 
which is what I had planned to do. I wanted to go to Florida State, actually, but I became involved in a theater company that was based in Biloxi that took a show to New York, and uh, they hired me to be their piano player, and so I went along with it, and that's where I lived for about 25 years. And from there, I had the opportunity to uh, do a show that was coming from London into Las Vegas. And so I went out to, I came out here and auditioned for it and was hired. And I just knew in my, in my heart, in my soul, that, that this was the next right move for me. And so I've been here for the last uh, 14 years, I think, 15 years coming right. up uh, in June. Yeah. In Las Vegas, and, correct? Uh, in Las Vegas. Pardon? Right, in Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 15 years. I can't believe it. <laughs> and I've been invited to come uh, to Homecoming at William Carey uh, next Friday night. I'll be playing a, a one night only Coming Home for Homecoming concert. So I'm very wow. honored to be uh, invited to do this. So, how long has it been since you've come back to Mississippi? Well, you know, I my family is still there, and so I get back as often as I can. But I don't get the opportunity to perform there very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is a it's a rare opportunity. It's been many years since I played at William Carey, and um, it's it's going to be wonderful for me to be able to come back and just share stories from the career, from my life, and uh, uh, play music that uh, has meant so much to me through you know my life. And you've been you've done numerous Broadway shows. You've performed at Carnegie Hall and the Lincoln Center, and many more. What is one of your most memorable um, experiences, if you can pick one? You know, uh, they've all been very very special. Uh, some I did because uh, some opportunities. I sometimes you have to just say yes to opportunity when it comes along because it may be a once in a lifetime thing. Uh, working with Eartha Kitt uh, on her Carnegie Hall debut was uh, uh, one of the highlights of my career for sure. But this past fall, I had the opportunity to do a 14-city uh, tour of China, bringing the music of Broadway to um, uh, that country. Uh, that probably is one of the if not the greatest highlight of my career, that's definitely one of the top experiences I've been privileged to have. My, that is wonderful. And like I said, you've been all over the world. You've had so many opportunities. Uh, you've been playing since the age of, what, 12? Your your first solo was 12 years old. You've been playing in church, started at age 7. I know I'm yeah. rushing because I don't want to run out of time, but I want people to know uh-huh. how amazing you are and where they can see you again one night only benefit concert will be friday march 22nd on the campus of william Carey university starting at 7 30 so uh tell everyone where they can find more information about you uh they can find uh information me uh, through facebook of course uh they can uh, look at my name google me um uh <laughs> That, which is a scary thing to I know, know. right? <laughs> but, uh, Facebook is the best way to do it. And Instagram, I'm out there uh, uh, quite quite frequently as well. All so, right. Uh, yeah. Well, 
Well, thank you, Philip Fortenberry, renowned pianist Philip Fortenberry, for spending a little time with us today. Um, hopefully we can get you back on the show and talk to you in more in-depth about uh, your pianist, uh, your, your shows and things like that. We want to thank everybody for being a guest on the show today. The Mississippi Craft Show, uh, Malcolm White with the 36th Annual House St. Patty's Day Parade, Sarah Strip with Springboard to Opportunities, and of course, composer and pianist, Philip Fortenberry. Now, if you missed any of the show, you can log on to our website at mpbonline.org. Stay tuned for Southern Remedy for Women up next and join us next week for another amazing ride here on Next Stop Mississippi.